Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Are we all ready for God's Word today? Okay, we've had a few messages already shared, but that's all good. I want to just share today that faith is the subject we've been on, and we're probably just on the opening of it. Might be going 20-some weeks this year in teaching on faith, one of the longest uh, periods of time that I've ever taught on a subject, but I really feel very, very strongly that the church, Jesus said when he comes back, will he find faith in the earth? And so I really believe that faith cometh or faith is awakened by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We understand that faith is what gets our prayers answered. The Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. But we understand the Bible says in James 1 that we ask in faith, okay? We resist the enemy by faith. We understand that there's a spiritual war that is going on out there for the hearts and souls of every one of us. But faith is how we actually quench, exterminate, and put out all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We also understand that we resist the enemy by faith. We also understand that we receive forgiveness of sin by faith. There's many believers that walk in condemnation. There's many believers that are walking in spiritual inferiority, and they feel that they can just never measure up. I was in the walkathon yesterday. I was walking with a few folks, and one of the women told me she never thought that she could ever uh, be a Christian because she messed up so bad in her life. And then she found out about righteousness, and here she is now, 20-some years later, by the grace of God. And then we are made righteous by faith. I'll be covering that in a few moments. We have freedom from spiritual death, separation from God by faith. The Bible says, therefore now being justified, made righteous by faith, we have peace with God. We purify our hearts by faith, according to 1 Peter, and we have access to the throne of God by faith. Why? Because there's times that as a believer, we can miss it in life, but how many know God doesn't want us to run from him, but to run to him? So he says to come with all assurance, come with all boldness and confidence to the throne of grace. We are adopted as the children of God through faith. Isn't it amazing that God says, behold, what manner of love the Father hath already done. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It doth not yet appear, but when he appears, we'll be like him. How many can say that's all great news? Come on. And so, and we understand the last thing that I want to share is that if there's anything, any subject that I can teach on here as a pastor that there's more opposition against, it's the message of faith. Okay? Because the Bible says that when uh, we sow the word into the hearts, The Bible said, Satan cometh immediately to steal the word from the hearts. And we know all those there. We've had many lessons on that there. But we understand that there's a warfare that goes on because he hates faith. Why? Because you can't overcome the world. You can't overcome the flesh. You can't live a victorious life and really succeed in life. To teach successful principles without a spirit of faith is just really setting people up for failure today. So faith, the Bible says, without it, apart from it, separate, it's impossible. You can't do it to please God, to come into agreement with everything heaven is saying and doing. 
For he that comes to God must believe. Must believe what? That he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We also recognize, and I'm giving you just a recapsule of what we've been teaching. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we found out that lack means deficient knowledge, missing pieces of information. If there's anything Shemitero's learned over 40 years is that the enemy is a master at twisting and manipulating the word of God to use it against the people of God to keep them even under religious spirit in a place of bondage. So he says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why? Because they rejected knowledge. Why did they reject knowledge? Because we see often that Jesus taught that they hold on to the traditions of men and because of it, they've made the word of God of no effect. We also understand something the Bible says in Hosea. It said, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of God. His going forth is established as the morning, and he will come to us like the rain, like the latter in the former rain. Then we see in Hosea 6, 6, he said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Why? Because the knowledge of God is the foundational element of the four ingredients of faith. God does not want us just to be acquainted with him, but he wants us to come into a proper knowledge of who he is. We've covered that in the last three weeks about the foundation stone of coming into acquaintance with God. By what? By desiring him to know him greatly. We think about him, and then we're not afraid to talk about him, and we find out everything that we can about God that's revealed to us through the word. How many know God is a good God? And God says, now listen, this is, he said, do not err in this, my beloved. Every good and perfect gift, where does it come from? It comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God oftentimes will get a bad rap from many believers today that are actually ignorant of the word of God and the ways of God. You know, and they'll say, well, God sent that hurricane and God sent that tornado and God did all these here things, you know, to get people's attention and God put that on them to do this for them. Well, my Bible says a little bit different story. Jesus actually, when the storm came on the sea, he actually stood up and rebuked the winds. So if that was the Father God that sent it, then what business did the rebellious son have to do to stop it? Jesus is not rebellious, come on now. But if he did, it would have been against the Father's will. But we know that the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the wicked one. Now, I'm going to try to go as slow with this here today as I can. Many of you know I like to preach, but I really feel I just need to teach this morning and stay in that there mode for a little while. The last thing I'll say is that Jesus rebuked the religious leaders of his day because they didn't teach on the mercy of God. They didn't teach on the justice of God. And they didn't teach on the faith of God. They were very legalistic, even in the aspect of the tithe on, under the law. And what happened? He said, you pay tithe of all your spices, the mint, the anise, and the cumin. But he said, you've uh, undone, uh, you've ignored the weightier matters of the law, which is mercy and justice and faith. And so we want to just uh, get onto this whole aspect of faith. So the first aspect is knowledge, is acquaintance with information. It's a direct perception of God. It's being well informed of God. Remember in John 17, he said, I have made your name known to them 
and revealed your character and your very self. And he says, I will continue to make you known that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them, literally felt in their hearts, the Amplified says, and that I myself may be in them. So it was never God's plan just to hang out. It's God's plan to abide on the inside of his sons and daughters here. So we're going to go in, and as we grow in knowledge, how many know the more knowledge that we get of God and application of the knowledge. The Bible says to be not just hearers of the word, but to be doers. We see in 2 Peter chapter 1, the apostle Peter, who was in the inner circle of Jesus, said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what? Through the knowledge of God. So how is grace and how is the byproduct of peace going to be multiplied, not just added, it's going to come through the knowledge of God. And then it says, and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power hath given to us, it's already done, hath given to us things that pertain to life and godliness. And how does that come? Through the knowledge of God or through the knowledge of him, as the New Living says, the one who called you to himself by means of his marvelous glory and his excellence. Go to the next verse, if you will, in verse number four. And it says, everybody read this. And because of his glory and excellence, he has what? given us great and precious promise. Now, why are these promises given today? These are the promises that what? Enable you to share his divine nature and escape the what? The world's corruption caused by human desire. So the promises are given, but here's the key. If we try to stand on the promises without that knowledge of God, first and foremost of the one, Abraham's faith was not just in the promise, his faith was in God that made the promise. And so that is huge, and this is where so many believers, I believe, have missed the mark because they're standing on the promise, but they really don't know the one that had made the promise. Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. So the performing was not on what Abraham, the performing was on God that he believed in first and foremost. So that's the aspect that we're going to be going into today. Uh, I don't have time to go over this because we went over this in weeks gone by. All the prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed all had to do with the knowledge of God. It says in Ephesians that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, illumination in what? In the knowledge of him. Philippians says, I pray that your love for each other would overflow more and more and that you will keep on, not just parking somewhere, not just arriving and stop growing, but keep on growing in your knowledge and your understanding. And then Colossians 1 says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, in pastoring 40 years now, because I started off, many of you know, right in ministry, and, and what I've learned is that many believers never enter in to the will of God for their lives. And it's right there. God says that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, not just have information, but filled. Has anybody ever went to a buffet and overate? Okay, let me just ask you, after you overate, how many know you felt a little bit uncomfortable? And how many know that if you feel uncomfortable at times, you can become a little cranky, okay, or a little bit miserable? I remember uh, I was with some friends one time, and, and we went to a restaurant, and, and, and the guy had a pound of bacon. Literally, the, the order at Tony's Restaurant in Birch Run had a pound of bacon. 
And it's like, I mean, pure grease pig meat. I mean, all the way. And after he ate it, it just, the mood changed. You could just see the mood changed. And it was like, okay, how are we going to handle this one? There was enough pig meat there for six people. Okay, but anyway, we're not going to park on there. But how many know, in the same respect, God wants us to be crammed like a buffet to the fill with the knowledge of his will. So why? So that you're so stuffed that there'd be an overflow inside of your life. And here's what many believers don't understand. I wrote a whole book on this. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And then verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 5 says, in everything, come on, give thanks for this is what? It's the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. The very next verse says, and quench not, exterminate not the spirit. And what does that mean out there? We actually have the ability to quench the spirit. How do we do that? Whenever we become ungrateful. So you can locate a person by what's coming out of their mouth. You can actually see the path, the course that they are setting their life for that's coming out of their words, the words that are coming out of their mouth. When the pressure's on, you realize what's on the inside of you. And in life, how many know life isn't always fair and people aren't always fair? Okay, but God is just, God is fair, but people aren't always. And, but you can always locate where a person's at by what's coming out. So you hear people just whine, they whine about the weather, they whine about their family, they whine about their husband, they whine about their wife, they whine about their job, they whine about the economy, they whine about Trudeau, they whine about everything. Come on. They whine about Donald Trump and they're living in Canada. And it's like, what the heck? Okay. Anyway, they just whine and whine and whine. Okay, so, so, so here's what. Listen to this. When you whine, you're dining with hell. You're dining with hell. You're at the table of hell and you're out of the will of God. So, so when you whine, you're, you're actually open yourself up to a spirit of error, a spirit of deception, and you'll always see the worst of one another and not the best. And the Bible says the first thing about love, which you're born of, it believes the best, but you always think the worst. And you say, well, I've always been this way. Well, you know what? In Christ, you can change. Come on now, now you gotta change the patterns that have been there inside of your life and uproot those things. So what I have learned out there is the next aspect that God wants us, and I'm gonna park here for a while today, is this whole aspect of trust. Now when I speak of trust today, the Bible says in Psalm 7, 1, oh Lord my God, in you I put my trust. And then in Proverbs 3 it says, trust in the Lord, we read that this morning with, come on, all your heart, lean not to the sway of your own understanding. Hebrews 2 in the New Testament says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And then we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, 9 to 11, it's in him that I put my trust. So recognizing this freedom and deliverance is all gonna be in him. So I wanna park there with you for the rest of the message on the element two. Number one is the acquainted, the knowledge of God. But number two now speaks about trusting in him. Once we have the proper understanding of God and we know him biblically through his names that reveal his character, then we can have a solid foundation for our faith and that's the aspect of trust. The word trust also means confidence. Everybody say confidence. If you look in Webster's Dictionary or Noah's Dictionary or you look in our Erdman's Bible Dictionary, you'll see the word confidence literally means full of trust. It means belief in the powers. It's translated even trustworthiness or reliability of a person. So because Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, well, what was it to believe? He believed in a supernatural birth. 
He believed in a supernatural resurrection. Come on. And so all the aspects that Abraham did are all the same aspects that God expects of you and I today. But the word also, uh, trust, means assurance. Assurance is a declaration attendant to give confidence. So you can see that these three words that I'm going to emphasize all the way through, when you see trust, you see boldness, you see confidence, it's actually four words, and assurance, they're all interchangeable words. They're all having the same meaning. So when you understand this here, when you read the scriptures out there, you'll see it all has to do with this aspect of faith in God. The Bible says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So the boldness that they saw was the trust that they had. It was the confidence that they had. It was the assurance that they had. So God doesn't want us just to be haphazardly about this aspect. He wants us to be an aspect inside of our life that will affect every area of our life. The Bible says, as for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly are with all trust or all confidence to make known the mysteries of the gospel. Isn't it amazing even the book of Hebrews teaches us to cast not away our confidence which hath great recompense of reward. In other words, payday will come. So this trust is something that God wants us to embrace. It's something that he wants us to hold on to. Now we're gonna flesh this out in just a moment because if this element is not here in our life, God doesn't want us to be wishing God doesn't want us just to be hoping things are going to be work out. God wants us to be confident men and women. So what I want to share with you is how this is developed inside of our life. How do we come to a place now of trust? How do we come to a place of boldness? How do we come to a place of confidence? Well, 40 years ago, this was imparted to me in my word of faith upbringing that laid a solid foundation for the journey of faith. That no matter what challenges, no matter what hits might come my way, the things I'm going to share with you today help me in laying the foundation for a solid walk of 40 years now. In 40 years, I've not looked back. In 40 years, I've not backslidden. In 40 years, I've just stayed this here steady course that's there. And I'm going to tell you the reason why today. Not only did I come into the acquaintance with God and the knowledge of God, but then I went on to the trust, the confidence, the assurance, and the boldness in God. Okay, and here's the key. Does everybody want the key? Everybody stand up for just a moment. Say, I want the keys. Okay, number one thing, and if you don't have this understanding, number one, before you're seated, if this is deficient, if this is missing inside of your life, then until you get it, you're gonna be tossed around. Are you ready? Number one is the gift of righteousness. Everybody say gift of righteousness. Until you understand before you're seated your righteousness, you're never going to have the solid foundation of faith. You'll never, it's never going to happen. You'll, 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 balance, you'll, you'll get right into a gray area where you begin to try to work to get the favor of God and be good enough for the favor of God. Until you understand what your pastor's saying right now, you'll never have the foundation. Are you ready? Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. It had the rule. It had the supremacy. It released into our hearts the law of sin and death. And it goes on, it says, much more they which receive. Okay, here it is up there. Everybody ready? Everybody say it together. For the sin of this one man 
Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's what? Wonderful grace and what? His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus God. So, so let me just ask you a question. When you got born again, did you receive the gift of righteousness? So what does that mean? That means in God's eyes and in God's sight, you were accepted not because of what you did, but because of the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, and then you can be seated. He, Jesus, who knew no sin, he was the Lamb of God when Caiaphas, the high priest, inspected him and checked him out. And he said this here, I find no faults in this man. Hang on. John saw the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here he is now. The high priest had the final inspection for the Passover sacrifice that was going to be there. Jesus became our Passover lamb for the sins of the whole world. So when he checked him out, he said, there's no sin. There's no fault in this here man. Jesus now was ready to lay down his life for you and I. So he, Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be an offering of sin for us. Hang on. That we could be made, not become, be made the righteousness of God in Christ. I have never questioned the righteousness of God inside of my life. I got it in the foundational stone of Shumatero's lives. I recognized my works couldn't do it. My preaching couldn't do it. My giving couldn't do it. My own personal holiness couldn't do it. But it was a gift that I received. And now, listen, listen. Why do I live the life that I live today? I live it because I'm an appreciation for what the Son of God did for my life, and he did for all of our lives in here. All I can do is just show him gratitude for the good things he's done inside of my life. Amen? Now you can be seated. The Bible teaches us, in righteousness you shall be established, and thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Now when you got born again, I want you to get a hold of this. The Bible says, for if we believed that God raised Jesus from the dead, believe what? We have our trust, our confidence, our assurance. If we believe that God raised Jesus, anybody believe that today? And then it says, and confess with our mouths that he is what? He's, Lord. He's, in, he's ruling our life now. He's number one in our life. He's not just an experience in our life. He's number one in our life. Lordship, come on. Then it goes on, and it says this in Romans 10. It says, for with the heart, man, come on, believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession or acknowledgement is made unto salvation, deliverance, wholeness, soundness of mind, and all the other things of good things that sows those promises. So it's very, very easy to understand this here. Even from a man that came up from a religious background, okay, at the beginning I was challenged with the mindset because I used to beat my brow and say, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you. And God said, if you ain't worthy, don't come to the table. But you say that for 20-some years of your life, I'm not worthy. And I went to schools and I had to go every day and say, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. So all I remember was saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. How I many know you say something long enough, you actually believe it? 
So then I started acting some characteristics like the one that really believed that I'm not worthy. And did some stupid stuff, man. Got myself in all kinds of stupid things. Come on. I don't need to tell you all of my sins. I'm no better than a one of you inside the room. But thank God for the righteousness of God that made us better than we used to be. Thank God for the blood that accepted us. Thank God that the blood that forgave us. And I look at even the women in the home, and I don't even see them in anything of who they were, but I see them in who they are now in Christ Jesus. And that's how we need to see one another. Let me just tell you something right now. If you're here today and you see people through sunglasses, in other words, because of their nationality or because of their race, and you see them as less than you, you see them as inferior from you, you don't understand even the gift of righteousness of who you are. I'm convinced that over 50% of the church today doesn't even have a clue on who they are in Christ and who the person next to you that are in Christ because we all have red blood flowing through our veins. It has nothing to do with the outside. It has to do with the internal because that's where the life of God is all at. If you look down on somebody because of their age, how old they are, or how young they are, you don't know the righteousness of God or who they are. God's righteousness is imparted when we come to that age of accountability and we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, and the rest is on a track. So I learned this here and got a hold of this here, that, 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 that the new man is created. Listen to this here. The new man that God already made you is created after God. In true righteousness, apparently there's a false righteousness. And the false righteousness is your human effort to become righteous with God and accepted with God. And it says, and true holiness. So there's a false righteousness and a false holiness. But we've been created after God in true righteousness. So anytime we think that we're better than we are, anytime we think we're better than anyone else or other people are inferior to us, then we've missed the whole purpose of what God has done. I don't know about you, but I'm on a journey, and I'm in progress, and I'm a work in progress. So anyway, so that was the number one thing that I got. The New Testament says in Philippians 1, being filled now with what? The fruits of of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So we'll get to, so this is foundational. I learned this here in Bible school when I went to school in 1980 to 82. And this is, this is one of those teachings that was inbred in my mind on righteousness. It was a course that we had out there for a whole semester. And, and it's like, how much can they teach on that? And then I found out there's whole manuals on it. Then I found out more on this here study. But this is what I learned. Until you understand who your heavenly father is and understand what he has and understand what he can do. That until you understand that, you will never understand who you are, what you have and what you can do. You'll always walk with limitations. You'll always walk in fear. You'll always walk in shortage. You'll always walk under of everything God says inside of your life. And then I understood not only who he is and what he has and what he can do, the Father, but then I understand who I am because we talk about and sing songs that people cry at in the services about what love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We're the adopted children of God. We're not trying to become his children. We already are his children. Okay, until you understand sonship reality, you will be bound by slave mentality. And many believers from what comes out of their mouth is characteristics of slave mentality. 
So it goes on and it says, the righteous are bold as a lion. You show me a timid believer, they've not renewed their minds to the understanding if there's a lion nature on the inside of you. Not to fight with one another, but against all the works of darkness. Until you understand that, you will walk in timidity, you'll walk in fear, and you'll walk in shy. And listen, as long as you feel insecure, and as long as there's an identity issue inside of your life, that you walk around in condemnation, over things that have already been broken, things that have already been confessed in your past, things that are already there, then the truth is you need to come back to an understanding of righteousness, okay? Because the Bible says, listen listen carefully, awake. That means rise from a place of stupor in sleep. It means to be vigilant upon. It means be alert to and attentive to. Well, what does he want us to rise from? What does he want us to wake up? You know, in, in, when the children were home, I remember uh, some of the children were in such a deep sleep that if you just said, I want you, sweetheart, to get up. I want you, buddy, to get up, okay? They would still continue just to keep going. And so, the car's leaving in 10 minutes. Wake up! All of a sudden, man, they jumped to attention. They were alert. They were, come on now. Because they knew if not, they were going to be in trouble because I'm not going to hold up the Bardsleys that we used to pick up to get your butts to school. So we had to wake up. That's what Paul is saying. Wake up to right. Now, listen, you got addictions. You got habits. You got bondages in your life. Wake up to righteousness and sin not. The sin issue in your life that's going on is allowed because you have an identity issue that you don't understand who God's already made you to be. And you can change it today when you change the way you think. When you do, you will change the behaviors in your life. You will never change the behavior till you change the way you think about that. And that's why, that's why I am totally opposed to the religious mindset where just no good sinner. No, God saved us and made us righteous in Christ Jesus. And we have to understand this. So the confidence that we're talking about is the most important single factor in the game of life. No matter how great your natural talent might be, there is only one way to obtain and sustain it, and that's by this trust, this confidence, and insurance in God. So that's number one. Are you all there? So everybody stand up for a moment. Say, did you get the gift? Now act like it. Now here's the thing. If you're righteous... You have a grace and an ability to live righteously. You didn't have it before, but you have it now. So now you need to understand of this divine empowerment that you have for the instructions. Are you all there? Number two, is everybody there? Let let me just just state this here. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one can make you fear without your consent. Because the inferiority and fear will come your way, and insecurity will come your way, does not mean you have to give in to it. You already have the power to say, you know, I'm not going, I'm secure in my relationship of who I am in Christ. Pastor Rick says, I know who I am, I know what I have, and I know what I can do, and now I understand who the enemy is, and what he has, and what he can do, and listen, the only thing he can do is lie, the only thing he can do is taunt, the only thing he can do is accuse, the only thing he can do is condemn, the only thing he can do is make me feel like I'm less than what God says I already am. And if you understand that, then you're on track. Now, you ready for point two? I learned this here 40 years ago, 
And it laid the foundation for a track. It laid the foundation for the path for Shemachero's life. Number one, understanding my righteousness, the identity issue was solved. Number two, who we have been made in Christ, the new creation. Too many people are trying to fix the old man. Trying to go back to their past to get this healed up or to get that healed up. And listen, I believe that there's a time to go back to the past and that's to relieve forgiveness. But listen, the old man's already been buried. So every time you park and you go back to try to fix all the old man, you're actually going to the cemetery, digging out the body and it smells and stinks and everything else. Come on now. And it contaminates. It's got worms. It's got maggots. It's got all this here. Wonderful things that you just want to go back. But every time you go back and try to fix the old man, you're doing something the opposite of what Scripture says. I don't care. But the only time I'll go back is when I need to resolve an issue, an unresolved conflict inside of my life. And if I need to go back and make it right and make amends, I don't mind doing that at all. But I'm not going to go back to the old man. I'm not going back to the old behaviors. And listen, this is where I'm so thankful for Don and Barb, uh, pastors Don and Barb and the other counseling team that are here, Kevin. I'm so thankful for this here. We're not here to fix the old man. The old man died. He's buried. That's what your Bible teaches. And it happened when you got back. So we're here now to renew and to change the way you think. Amen? So understand who it is that you've been made. Because listen, confidence is contagious. So lack of confidence is also contagious. Confidence will draw other confident people to you. Faith people will draw other faith people to themselves. People that just want to play a gig and just, you know, do, do, do the religious thing, they're not going to be, they're not going to be able to connect here. Because we're an aggressive people. We understand the corresponding actions to our faith. Romans 6 says, here it is. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. And so that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So the second thing I learned is very, very easy. Understanding who I've been made in Christ as a new creation. If I'm a new creation, that means I'm no longer a product of the old. I'm new. Now you can be seated. Listen to this statement that I'm going to make. The children of Israel came out of Egypt in one day. They came out of the place of confinement, the place of bondage, the place of abuse, the case of slavery. They came out in one night. But have you ever wondered why? It took them 40 years for the journey. They could have been in in just over a month. It took them 40 years. Because although they were free men and free women, they still had slave mentality in their thinking. Because they had generation after generation of slavery, so they lost all hope. They lost all faith. Come on, church. And with many new believers, this is what happens right over here. If I was you, and this is what I did, if I was you, I wouldn't make Christianity a Sunday morning experience in any way. Number one, it's a whole lifestyle. But I went every time the door opened to learn and to grow in my knowledge of God. And I got these things so deeply embedded inside me that when the tempter comes, I can recognize his voice. And the lures that he would bring, I know exactly what he's trying to do over there. So I learned about who it is that I'm in Christ Jesus. So understanding our righteousness is number one, but also understanding that we're a new creation. Then the third thing I learned about after that is understanding my position in the new creation realities. 
And I got a hold of a little book 40 years ago that's been around for all these few years. And it was by Dr. Kenneth Hagin. And I've heard all the, the controversy about Hagin and everything else. Let me just tell you, I went to his school. He was one of the most godly. And he had his love walk down to a degree that I'd never experienced in anyone. And I think that was the thing that greatly impressed me about the man and impacted my life and my journey. But I bought a little, at that time it was 50 cent book. And the book was called In Him Realities. And in the book you'll read the first chapter in there it says 141 references of who we are in Christ. And then he said every place where it says in Christ, in Him, and in whom, it says put your name in there. 40 years ago, I began to do that. And I got all those 140, they're down inside of me now. I'll just give you a few of them right now. It says in Ephesians 1, I'll I'll just read these here verses because I got to wind down and go into communion. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints. Isn't it amazing? He called the church at Ephesus saints. They had all kinds of problems in the church, just like at Corinthians, he called them saints. But even though they were saints, they didn't have the most saintly behavior. So how many know changes had to come in by faith? And so anyway, it says, listen carefully. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And here it is, in Christ. And he said, put your name in there, that's you. And in that book, I just simply did that. Rick is in Christ, come on. And then it says, so I said, Father, I thank you that I've been blessed, Rick Shimatero, has been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Then I said, then it said, just as he chose us in him. So I said, Father, I thank you that you called me, you chose me, you separated me from, my, from, from the foundation of the world, you chose me in Christ. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his good pleasure and his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, of which he hath made us accepted in the beloved. When I read that, the word accepted literally changed my life, that whole verse. My mama, many of you know, when she found out that she was pregnant with Ricky, she didn't want the child. She had my sister first, Grace, and she had my brother Anthony afterwards. And when she came to the place and she found out that she was pregnant just under three months uh, from my brother's birth, she must have had some of those issues that women go through after they have it post, post, what do they call them, partum and whatever it was. And she went into a major, major depression, my mama. And she didn't want to have a child. And so anyway, she just got very, very depressed. And, uh, you know, they say during the time of gestation, and maybe you pregnant mothers need to know this here, is that how many know everything going on in your life that goes into that baby? When Mary got with Liz and, and the two got together, how many know the baby started doing cartwheels, man? They started jumping inside the womb, and they were six months old. And so when mama had this here, there was no, and, and really, for many years of my life, I was never close to my mother at all. And they say Italian sons are the closest to their mother of anyone. I never had that. I didn't know that. I was close to my dad. And so when I was born, my mother went through this whole season, and it was just so, in the time of gestation, so I lived with a rejection because she really didn't want the child. She had the family that she wanted, no others. Now, I could tell you this here. When Mama got born again, it all got straightened out. It all got healed up. And thank God for many, many years. We had great years at the end. 
that at the beginning there was, there was a rejection. And that, so I couldn't understand why no matter how confident I was in the knowledge I had of the scripture, I couldn't understand why I always experienced rejection. And how many know when, you're, when you, you see yourself as a reject, you set yourself up for, to be rejected? And I just couldn't get the lid on that whole thing. So it took a long time for me to get the understanding of that. And an aunt told me about what had happened. And I said, now I understand that there. And so then God was able to start working inside me. So here's what I learned. The word accepted is found only one other time in the entire Bible. And it's when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and appeared to her and said, Mary, you are highly favored amongst women. Okay, now from my Catholic upbringing for all of my life that I went to mass and all that there and feeling like unrighteous and all those other things from way back and Mary was one of my heroes and she still is one of the heroes because she was in the upper room. She was a tongue talker, come on. And she was a mighty, mighty person of prayer in the first century church. And so we know that from all the historical accounts that you can read. But this is, this is what I learned out there. What God, the angel Gabriel said is, Mary, you are highly favored is what God says about every one of you in this room. And so you try to put yourself on the same category of Mary? Yeah, God says, I already put you on the same category of Mary. To a Catholic in the background there, Mary's up here. In the churches, man, you see the world, and, you see, and then you see Jesus on the lap of Mary. Mary's up there. That blew my circuits. I said, God, you accepted me and gave me the same favor that you gave to Mary? And he said, that's exactly right. I never to this day have struggled with rejection since that day. The word of God broke that off my life. So your identity of who you are in Christ, if you're walking around and you feel insecure, you feel like you're a failure, you feel like I got these issues, you feel like I got all these here things, listen, listen carefully. Understand, number one, your identity. Understand, number two, you're a new creation. And understand number three, the one that I just shared out here now, the in him realities. Number four is understand your authority. Because now that you understand your identity, you can take authority over every work that would come against your mind because that's where the arena and the battle is. And we'll pick up here next week when we get together. Let's all stand to our feet. Glory to God. If you're here today and you just say, you know, Pastor Rick, just knocked out of my foundation that's a good thing. Because how many know we all have areas inside of our life that we need to act upon the Word of God? And that's the last one that I learned 40 years ago, over 40 years ago, was if I believed everything that Christ said out there, then I can no longer stay the way I am. But I need to be a doer of everything God's Word says. So, everybody say this together. I'm putting away everything of hell's kingdom and I'm embracing everything of heaven's murmuring and complaining get behind me I'm a thanker and a praiser unbelief get behind me I'm putting my faith in God betrayal get behind me I'll be a loyal citizen of heaven independence get behind me I trust and have humility and grace. Insecurity. Get behind me. Not a reject. I'm not second rate. Not second class. I'm not second string. 
I'm not third string. I'm securing Christ. Deception. Misinformation. Get behind me. I'm one with Jesus Christ. Fear. No more place. God says, I'm a lover. Inferiority. Gotta go. Fear of man. Gotta go. Division and strife. Gotta go. Confusion and negativity. Gotta go. Judgmentalism. Critical spirits. Addictions. Bondages. Gotta go. I'm a Christian. I'm taking his word daily. Putting on the new man. In my thinking. In my understanding. Living in a new freedom. Living with God's affirmation. No longer isolated, but in the household of faith. Thank you, Father, as we have the bread in our hands. We're just so good. Everybody lift up your voices right now. And just, God, you've made us righteous. God, you've made us new. God, we're so thankful to you, Christ. We're thankful for your love for every one of us here. And God, I'm just sensing there's some just so beaten down and just, just feeling like they're a failure, just feeling like they're no good and just, just no. God, I thank you you brought them to church today. I thank you they could just hear simply the word of God. Just taught, Father God, very simply today. So God, we're rising up in faith. We're rising up with incre- incredible, incredible knowledge, but incredible acquaintance with God. I thank you, Father God, out of that has come our trust And because of our trust, confidence, assurance, and boldness in you, God, we have the confidence that what you started in us, you're going to fulfill it. And God, may we not be like the Hebrew believers that they said, cast not away your confidence for it hath great recompense of reward. I thank you they're becoming confident and assured in you, God. I thank you, Father God, for what you started, and it was a good work. And I am totally, 100% convinced that what you started in us, you're big enough, you're able enough and well enough to perfect that good work right up until the day of Jesus Christ. So everybody say, God believes in you. God's confident that what he started in you, he's gonna finish. So don't sweat, don't stress, don't worry. Everything gonna be okay. And may our fear of one another And may the failures not be that which identifies us, but may who we are in Christ make everything well. God, we choose to honor one another around us. We choose to put away any contention or strife between us, and we choose to advance your purpose. Thank you, Father.